0: Welcome. This is September 11th, 2023, and I'm here today as an official flight crew member with Beyond Bearing, with Beyond Being Human. And my guest, Karen Swain, she's also a fellow flight crew member. We're publishing this with Beyond Being Human. So Karen, she's a teacher of deliberate creation, a spiritual mentor, and channel of higher guidance, an educator, and inspirational speaker, host of Accentuate, the positive media, and author of Return to Love and Awakened by Death. So welcome, Karen. It's first time we've met, but I've been watching your videos uh, for years, actually, online. I think I've known wow. you for about three years, so it's great to meet you.
1: Oh, wow. Hi, Brian. Wonderful to meet you, too. Great to meet you. Yeah, yeah, we're kind of
0: connected through Michael Ney with Beyond Being Human. We're both involved with that, so here we are.
1: And you're doing some great work with your show, too. What, what's the name of your show?
0: Well, we have a meetup group called uh, Preparing for ET Contacts. So our main theme is to raise awareness about the alien agenda for human advancement.
1: Fabulous. And I I noticed that that you're doing it on BitTube or you're doing it on a few platforms?
0: Um, Mainly on BitTube. I got other platforms as well, like John, But BitTube is my main channel. Yeah, YouTube censored me. We were talking about (laughs) the uh, COVID
1: and the vaccine
0: (laughs) and the whole channel went down. Ah. Was, the channel was frozen it didn't actually should, it's still there I'm
1: sorry I shouldn't laugh I shouldn't laugh they haven't they haven't reinstated you then
0: How do you... no We know the policy of YouTube once you're gone you're supposed to be gone for life but I've had more than one channel in the past
1: <laughs> oh okay okay yeah interesting isn't it very interesting that yeah they seem to they seem to sort of get a bit less um antsy and now they've sort of tightened up strings again i don't know what's going on in the world it's very interesting to see what happens so what do you think of brighteon do you like brighteon as a as a platform
0: um yeah i noticed the um the hits really vary like some um videos on bright channel get more than on a bit shoot or more than another channel sometimes it'll get less so it seems to be a different audience each channel seems to have a different audience but it's good. I guess it's my second biggest after after BitChute. Yeah. BitChute's been around for a while. I've got 3,400 videos on BitChute. That's sort of my main Whoa. collection.
1: <laughs> That's a lot. Go back to
0: like 11 years of videos. Wow. Actually, 12 years now.
1: Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, I've been playing with a whole lot of different platforms this year. There's a new one coming out called Core Nexus. And, um, of course, Sheila Seppi on the Conscious Awakening Network has has, uh, is creating you know videos on the Conscious Awakening Network and she's putting them up on all sorts of places like Apple TV and um, Roku and Apple Plus and I don't know all these streaming platforms so yeah the message is getting out there basically into the world through different platforms uh, yeah we're beating we're beating the censorship game I think
0: yeah <laughs> I think I first discovered you like you have your own talk show and I was following Susie Hanson I think I've watched all of her videos. So that's how I discovered you. You had some really good interviews with her. You got really great rapport from her. <laughs> Maybe we can start off like our impressions of like the various categories we talk about with beyond being human. We talk about like ET visitations and star children. And you talked to Susie a lot about that. Do you want to start off sort of with that?
1: Yeah, Susie's amazing. She She's one of the, you know, I've been doing this for about 14 years now, actually longer for about 25 years. When I I was in my 30s, um, well, even when I was in my 20s, actually, I won't go into my whole story, but people used to say to me, I was incredibly shy. And people used to say to me, you're going to be standing in front of thousands of people talking one day. And I'm like, that's never going to happen. You know, that's never going to happen. Anyway, when I was in my 30s, I started a group after I read the conversation with God books. And it was me and a girlfriend. That's how it started. And she said, I love those books too. I said, well, let's get together and talk about it. And then a couple other people came and a couple others. And then one guy came, a friend of mine called Paul, who became a friend who said, you know, there are other groups out there talking about this sort of information, conscious spiritual information. And I said, no, I didn't know. This is pre-internet. And so I found a couple of other groups and I started facilitating one called the Academy of Lights. And I was showcasing for about five or six years teachers every Monday night there and uh, and then i went on radio probably about 14 years ago so i've been doing this for a long time bro <laughs> for wow second. longer than me i
0: thought i did this for a long time
1: <laughs> longer than you well yeah you know i thought it was all about me as we do it's all about me and my teachings and but it's not it's all about all of us i, I feel like i feel like people like us who present other teachers are getting more of that message out there than just presenting our teacher. So we, you know, by, by presenting other points of view and other teachers, you get a really rounded conversation and view of perspective and experiences and what's going on in the world and off the world. And so in saying all of that, Susie is one of the most amazing conversations I've had on the shows And as far as her ET contact in that she was up on the ships when she was a kid and she was being taught by the ETs. And what's amazing about her experience is that she remembers a lot of it. Like a lot of people are the word abducted by ETs when they're children, or they think they're abducted, but taken physically up on ships and uh, taught. But often they don't have a lot of memory of that. I had another beautiful woman on the show called, her name will come to me in a minute. Who was taken? She wrote a book called From Fear to Love. Who was taken? And she was terrified because she thought she was being abducted by these, you know, hideous gray aliens. And then over a period of time, because she had several abductions, she realized that she was actually a part of them and that um it was a sacred contract that she had with them to be a part of the hybrid program and to be here as a human being to um to inform and educate them about us and to and change the consciousness of this dimension this world so there was this and so that's her book was called from fear to love because she went from terrified to love at realizing her soul contract but soothie on the other hand she didn't seem to have any of the fear or terror she was just completely lined up with her mission being here and being human (laughs) beyond being human being human, and obviously, you know her book, The Dual Soul, and she knew she was a dual soul, she calls it, um, coming from an, a grey or, or ET perspective as well as a human perspective. And some of the experiences that she had on the ships as a kid, the one that I remember, and I think I spoke to her years ago, Brian, maybe five or six years ago. And yeah, I'm I think it's on uh,
0: 2016 when her book was out and <laughs> right. she was interviewing we interviewed at that time and she was talking about her next book and I'm still waiting it's 2023 I'm waiting for her next book oh, right. she was discussing that with you at the time I'm busy
1: <laughs> yeah it was uh was her um obviously her download that she got she met the soul of her son now this is what I thought was so fascinating we as humans we like to organize and compartmentalize things You know, we like to say the ets and the spirits and the angels and we put them all in separate baskets right not understanding that this universe this world this consciousness and beyond is just one energy with different intention and vibrational frequency but it's all interact interacting simultaneously and as humans we call talk about life and death you know like Cross over to the other side. Is there life after death? You know, we have all these crazy questions. So Susie is on the ship, and she's introduced to an energy orb. That I think she said it was an indigo color. And the ET said to her, "This is a soul that will incarnate as your son on Earth when you grow up." Like she's a child at the time. So get to know this energy, this frequency, because when you grow up and have children, he will be your son. And I just loved that these physical beings, be the ETs, were interacting with souls before a soul had incarnated into some sort of physical experience or universe, that they were together in one realm. you know. And, and here on Earth, we talk about the other side as if it's over there somewhere. <laughs> And it's one realm. It's just that we, through our physical perceptual apparatus, don't have the ability, most of us, many of us, I won't even say most, many of us, it's changing to perceive that energy. So here she is up on a ship with ETs talking to a soul and she started chasing it around the room and playing chasing. She's a kid. It's an energy orb. And then she said that she received at that time that she met her son the download of the three waves of volunteers. And that's where it comes into the star children, that there would be three waves of volunteers. And obviously she gets kind of upset about it, which I find really interesting because everyone attributes this knowledge to Dolores Cannon, who received a lot of this knowledge through her hypnotic clients about the three waves of volunteers. And the first wave is the indigos, the healers, the psychics? You know, what do you, what do you want to call us? There's so many slavers and names we've given it to us. The people that will have advanced their DNA upgrades, and they have more perceptual expansion and experience to talk to spirit, to talk to angels, to channel healing energy, to have contact experience. These are the, this is the first wave and and it's not a finite wave. Like they come in between this time and this time. She said, they've been coming to earth forever, but as times shift, as the planet shifts into a new consciousness, then they come more come to add to the consciousness and to transform the consciousness of this world. And they will keep coming in. So they've been coming in as spiritual teachers and then they come on mass, you know, especially after the war, when i was running the academy of Light, Brian, i'm in my 30s and i'm surrounded by predominantly women 99% women older women and i'm thinking what is this young 30 year old girl doing hanging out with these old birds you know now i'm one of those <laughs> yeah. now i'm one of yeah. those old birds oh. but <laughs> but i was you know what had happened is after the war there was the baby boomers you know there was like all these babies born and many of them were a part of that first wave in that they came in as female because they wanted to expand the feminine, what we deem as feminine energy, which is psychic, creative, intuitive energy, um, even healing energy. And so lots of women came in and they were a big clump of those. So, So that's why I was hanging out with predominantly older women. Many of them are past now. But as I say, that first wave keeps coming in. It's like it doesn't stop. And then the second wave uh as Susie was given, are called the communicators. So these are people that have had experiences. Maybe you're one of them, Brian. Have you ever had any experiences? Oh uh,
0: um, not many experiences, but I feel I'm I'm trying to, you know, do the communicator job. Yeah. I might not be one of the communicators, but I feel I'm I'm, I'm trying to align with that role to help out there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So these are people that have classically had abduction experiences, near-death experiences, spiritually transforming experiences. And when they have them at the time, now classically they're older, like RH, right, Um, society wasn't ready for that information. So they've kept it under their belts like their whole life. And then over the last 10, 20 years, as the um, consciousness of our planet has shifted and the information technology and and the spread of this information has become more accessible they feel comfortable to speak about what they've been through and we've seen this huge you know what's the word i'm looking for renaissance not the right word but many people coming out of the spiritual closet saying i died or i went up on a ship and it's all over our youtube and bit and all those you know video platforms all over our internet and these are the communicators So, uh, you know, I loved, uh, one of my favorites is Kevin Briggs. Have you had Kevin Briggs
0: on your show? Uh, Well, I've I've emailed with him. We're going to get together in a couple of weeks for the first time.
1: Yeah. So he contacted me. I've watched his videos. Yeah. A few years ago one of the most amazing et beings on the planet and he just loves being human he's so human he just loves walking the dogs and having a barbie and going to the pub with his brother he just loves being human he even went astral traveling to the spirit world and he said to the uh he was hanging out with all his dead relatives he said oh, i'm not going to come back now until i've actually left my body for good because i'm really enjoying my physical <laughs> i love that about yeah he's him. here <laughs> and uh so, but his guides had said, to, you know, he had never told anyone who he is or what he's experienced. He's like, he was in his sixties, and then his ET guide said, "Right, Kevin, only a few years ago, maybe four or five years ago now. Right, we want you to write a book," and he's like, "No, no, I can't do that." And they said, "Don't worry, we'll write it through you. All you have to do is, is you know, do the typing." And, uh, and that now we want you to start talking about who you are and what you've experienced. And so he's one of those classic communicators. He thought he would go to his grave, never telling anyone who he was except for his um, wife, obviously, and his brother and maybe a couple of friends. And now he's out there speaking about the amazing experiences he's had and his ability to astral travel at will and project his consciousness Um what he called remote view and uh like yeah. fly around the cosmos in a um in an astral spaceship that he created with his mind and and he's downloaded quantum physics you know it's like incredible what he's done he's just so normal. So anyway, so that's the second wave, right? The communicators. Yeah. And and as I said, as society shifts, and communication becomes more available to more people and they don't feel scared that they'll be ridiculed. Everybody becomes a communicator who is a an indigo and ET experience or a near death experience. Like everybody starts speaking about it because they feel it's safe. And now there are groups and you know, ions and et groups where people can get together and feel safe to share their communications and and yeah the
0: internet really makes it happen like it's really the technology that allows us especially like video like zoom you're on the side plan you're in australia i did mention that and i'm in canada yeah that's what makes it safe and there's all these videos and people can do it from the privacy of their own home without actually going to a group in person so they open up more it's because of the the technology the internet's really opening us up
1: yeah it's beautiful what's happening and and uh, eventually, everyone will feel safe to communicate, and uh, there'll be a lots of communicators. But that was more of a finite group. That was a group that had a specific job to do, that to have the experience and then to communicate it. Now, the third wave of volunteers is is given to Susie, and you know, well, you should get Susie on the show, and she can she can probably tell you a lot better than me. But I remember it because I was so fascinated when she told me about it. Uh, I don't know what she called them, but the activators, I think I've given them that name. So these are people that incarnate into a human form. And most of their life, they're not interested in any sort of consciousness, spiritual, you know, information. They just do what they're here to do. They become doctors and lawyers and, you know, mothers and teachers. Yeah, I think and- she called
0: them implement implementers. Like her yeah. son is an implementer. He's not involved right. in the UFO community, but they okay. take on roles within society, like leadership right. roles.
1: And then she said, "Well, these are my words, actually. When the shift hits the fan, which is kind of what's been happening over the last few years, they wake up. They have this like, I know exactly why I'm in this job and what I'm here to do, and and how I'm here to shift, change the system. So they they embed themselves inside archaic systems, and pretty much every system on our planet is archaic. In the education system, the transport system, the um." the government systems like even our food systems like there's not a system on the planet that needs to be up for review and so they they embed themselves inside these systems and uh, you know there's a lot of them we've seen that were doctors that when the shift hit the fan a couple of years ago they kind of woke up and went hang on I'm seeing something else going on and they start to yeah so we've seen in the last it's you know since I spoke to Susie on the show a few years ago In the last few years, we've seen so many of them politicians. Even watching that Congress thing that we were chatting about before you recorded. Yeah. You know the three and a half hour Congress. What what was it called? That. um, Yeah, July
0: twenty sixth congressional hearing on UAPs. Right, that was amazing.
1: So I was watching that. I think I keep going back to it. That's such a big. That's such a big you know incident in our world that that disclosure and. uh, watching the politicians and seeing the ets inside some of those politicians asking the questions like they've embedded themselves inside governments and parliaments and then people like what's his name the people that started talking man names uh when they start disclosing what they know they just have yeah, david instant... grush
0: was the main david one david grush, grush Colonel and... Freiber, mm-hmm. yeah they
1: start that their their mission here is activated and they know exactly what what they're here to do inside parliament to shift things around and so classically they're the like younger ones i think that susie said they're sort of 50 and under like in their 40s and 30s yeah they're the coming of age around now implementers yeah yeah and she should, said should a bit be. like a bit like the indigos and the Star seeds and the you know the healers that will be not a finite group they they will continue to incarnate on the planet the implementers mm-hmm. yeah, yeah so that there's um I, you know i've had many clients and friends that have talked about their family or husbands or that are not interested in meditation or spiritual work in any way shape or form and yet they're doing this work without needing to fuss about it or talk about it or get gather with groups they just they just know what they're here to do, and they're just doing it, yeah, yeah very really fascinating
0: yeah. did you have like paranormal experiences yourself that you want to share with the audience, like how you got oh, going what you're doing?
1: I have had many basically, uh when I was young, my mother died uh look even when i even before that, I was having dreams, I was having dreams of rescuing people. Because here I am, this young girl that's obsessed with boys and shoes and clothes like most young girls and makeup and music. And yet I'm sort of having these ideas of wanting to help people, wanting to, I remember having dreams of rescuing people. And I'm asking my parents a million questions like, how can a baby be born in sin? That doesn't make any sense. My parents were not religious at all. The only time they went to church was for a wedding or a funeral. And they didn't care about this information. And I'd be asking them questions about religion. <laughs> it Didn't make sense to me. Stuff I'd learned at school, stuff I'd pick up along the way. And my parents don't care about this stuff. And they're like, why do you care about this stuff? And then, when Mum dies, I start asking more questions, like, "What happens when you die? Where do we come from? And if there's a place that we come from, uh, where, that we go, we've come from that place. What is that?" And I start sort of trying to understand different realms of existence. And Mum comes to me in dreams for many years, telling me that she didn't die, and okay. I didn't. Under, I didn't understand that <laughs> for a long time, and then my curiosity had my nose in a million books reading and some of the books that changed my life were the conversation with god books as i said i started groups a group you know like like me and a girlfriend just discussing the um discussing the information in that book and i think that what spoke to me the most is um you create your own reality Did I have, I think I read that before the Seth books. I think I read the Seth Seth. after that. And that really spoke to me when I understood that we are the creators of our reality and that our vibration is an indication of how we're creating and our thoughts and beliefs are creating. That was the message that really stuck to me, like really stuck to me. So when I'm in my thirties, I'm hanging out with the galactic people up in the Byron Bay area in Australia and New South Wales, where all these star seeds are, and we had higher self balls, and there's all this stuff going on. I became this sort of new age hippie.
0: And oh, wow, and so when um, was this? What year was that?
1: Oh, god, in the 90s, <laughs> in the yeah, 90s. Yeah. And yeah. uh, and there's lots of people saying they were from other planets and stuff like that. And I thought that that was fun and interesting, but I was still delving into like how do we create our reality? That was really what was on my mind, like that's fun and interesting. And then it was probably about 10 years ago, Brian, maybe eight, that the whole galactic conversation seemed to be the thing that fascinated me the most. Like I shifted from consciousness and you create your reality in that sort of Abraham conversation, you know, the channelings of Abraham and Seth. And, and I started getting interested in things like Pasha, you know, who's who's speaking the same information. Uh, that we are the creators of our reality. And then I started connecting more to my galactic guides. I I did a talk up in Byron Bay about life after death. And the friends of mine who put on the conference had a um, afterlife conference. And then the next couple of days after that, they had a like UFO um, ET conference. They sort of separated the two conferences. And so I was there for the, like witnessing the people speaking in the UFO ET conference And after I did my talk about the afterlife and um, there was this amazing young woman who'd drawn all these ET beings and I sat in the audience mesmerized because the energy, the frequency and the look of these beings was a drawing that I'd done when I was like 16 thinking I was doing a fashion drawing and I had drawn this.
0: Oh, so you saw them yourself.
1: I did, but I just thought I was being creative and it was like just this fashion. I was drawing fashion, but I put antennas on this (laughs) thing. I just thought, I just palmed it off as fashion. So I had this realisation that I'd been connected to my ED guides my whole life. And like, yeah, it was another wake-up call about 10 years ago. And so then I started talking to them. And then they were the ones, like the Acturians, the Andromedans, the Syrians, the Acturians specifically, Are the masters of mind are teaching people this is the information that's channeling through the Abraham the Seth materials the Bashar about our ability to affect this environment through our beliefs and how we are the creators of our we are co-creating this matrix this environment and um, and they sort of open the curtains to how it all happens how we are the creators of our reality and And it's the same conversation, but I just realized that there are these oversouls that are these higher consciousness beings that live in different realms and have had, that have created different matrices, different worlds, if you like, that are overseeing this world and that are helping us evolve. And their message is, the most important message is to take back our power of creation So when we think about creation, it's not just about creating money or cars or houses. It's creating uh, an experience. It's, It's taking back your power and knowing that whatever happens outside you, you can respond to it depending on, you know, what you believe. And if your response is something negative, then you have to bring it back to yourself and look at what you believe about yourself or life. And then you have the ability to shift that, to change that. And as you do, you literally shift the matrix of this reality or you jump chart timelines, you can jump timelines. And um, yeah, so it's really very fascinating, the whole thing. But that's my main focus as a teacher of deliberate creation to let people take back their power, which means that we can do anything. It's said in the Seth books. There are only two rules to life, not laws, rules. The first one is one: you create your own reality, and two: there are no limits.
0: Wow! So I'm wondering what's your direction ahead? How do you see? What are your plans for the future with what you're doing?
1: What are my plans for the future with what I'm doing? What a big question. Yeah. Uh, well. It was
0: extensive, what you're already doing, I guess.
1: As as we talked about before, as somebody here to expand consciousness and expand this, pretty much everyone I talk to uh, delves into uh, taking back your power of creation in a way saying that, you know, I've created this experience, whether it's somebody like um the person's name who escaped me, who wrote the book from fear to love. I'll look her up in a minute and get her name. She had this realization that this terrifying experience of abduction that was happening to her was something that her soul had created. It's really that knowing that everything that you participate in this life, there has been a sacred agreement that your soul said, this is what I'm up for. I give myself this challenge. And when you see your life through your soul's perspective, then you can understand that, you know, you can you can experience this life differently. You cease to be a victim of what's happening in the world and you, you take back your power to, if you don't like what you see, change it. Like Seth said, the only way that you can change your reality is changing your perception of it or your belief about it. Uh, and so when you change your belief about something, as Wayne Dyer used to classically say uh, when you change the way you look at things the things you look at change so yeah you know we can we can hate on something we can judge it we can say no this is wrong so interesting I re-watched a movie last night called The Suffragettes it's got all these great actors in it Meryl Streep and Hall. what's her name Casey Hall and stack of a bomber bonacara helena bonacara you know all these great million names and uh these women were fighting for women's rights and the vote right and they were doing these terrible things and the whole way i was an interesting movie and great actors and everything and it was history you know it was based on history i'm just shaking my head going that's no way to create change you know that's just no way to create change by fighting and that's what that's what's happening over the last few years, they see yeah, a lot of polarization. Yeah. Right. They see corruption and they're like, no, this is wrong. Can't tell you how many people sent me petitions and say, sign this petition. We don't want this and we don't want that. We don't want that. And Esther would say, and I would, when I talk about Seth and Esther and Abraham, and all this is coming from this stream of consciousness that the Arcturians have talked about this mental stream of consciousness of taking back, of knowing, you could call it God or source if you like. You can't scream no in a vibrational universe. When you put that energy out of no, you're actually adding to the very thing that you're not wanting.
0: You're adding more negativity to the world. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's like energy beings feeding off that, like reptilians or reptilians that feed off of fear and anger and they, they want that in the world to get more energy for that?
1: Well, you know, I never say no to anything. When I realized that we're the creator of our reality, and like it said in the Seth books, you create your own reality and there are no limits. So that also means there's no limits to what you create in a negative way or a positive way. There's just no limits because everything is energy. And when you put enough focus and attention on energy, it becomes manifest in the denser realms as an experience. But thought is first, everything is first manifested in thought before it becomes physical. So if you have a thought about anything, whether it's reptilians feeding off fear or, you know, a utopian society here on earth, whatever thought you give your attention to, it's already manifested in a, a faster frequency realm, in a higher realm in a different frequency realm I don't want to call it higher I don't want to give it hierarchy it's just it's the way energy works energy moves at different frequencies and different speeds so thought the speed of thought like we can't travel at the speed of thought you and I can sit here and think about Mars and as soon as we've thought about Mars bang we're there or Jupiter or Saturn And you can imagine it and back your consciousness is there. Like the speed of thought is almost instantly. And so in these different realms, when you think about something, it manifests instantly. But in the denser realms, it's a slower vibrational experience. And so in order for a thought to manifest, it has to go through. We have this buffer of time. So anything that can be thought and had energy behind it can be a reality in any realm. Do you want to give your energy and your attention and your powerful focus to that and create more of it in your experience? Is your choice. Like, do you want to think about reptilians feeding on fear? Go for it if that turns you on. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it's very much uh, Buddhism taking responsibility for your either wholesome thoughts or unwholesome thoughts, and not to dwell on the wholesome. It takes vigilance, yeah.
1: I mean, I won't say any of it's not true. There are people out there saying crazy things, right? And people say, oh, you're crazy. And then there are people jumping on board going, no, nope, I believe it. It's, this is my experience. And and they're creating that experience as an experience. I mean, all of this, all of this, you on Zoom with your nice <laughs> backdrop, I like your new backdrop, you know, talk in Canada, talking to me in Australia, sitting here on my desk, All of this is a, we've created all of this. It's a dream that we're participating in, right? When I was massaging, because I, you know, when I moved into this, I'm here to help space, I went and did a massage course. And then I did five years full-time naturopathy. And at the end of five years, full-time study, I didn't see anything that was going to change the world. So I, got married had a baby opened a furniture shop and then closed that and started massaging to make money and this is when my my psychic abilities started to kick in because as I touched people I started to see their past lives and I'd know all their thoughts and oh wow from
0: massage from touching them
1: yeah I mean the thing about my psychic abilities they were always there but I wasn't paying any attention to them so it's often when
0: people get older they develop that I've noticed
1: well, I was in my 30s, so I wouldn't say I was yeah. older, but, you know, the attention that I was giving to life when I was in my 20s was where can I go to have a good time? Who can I date? You know, like work at what party? What's the next party? Where can I travel? Yeah, to my, my 20s was
0: like that, too. You know, my
1: attention was on other things. Yeah. So when I started seeing things to, during massage, my attention shifted to how can I make money and have a good time? I have to say I was married with a baby by then to what the hell's going on? what's happening to me and as I put my attention where your attention goes energy flows this started to expand and so my psychic abilities started to expand as I put my attention on them and then I started doing healing energy healing workshops and what I noticed during these workshops was that I wasn't experiencing anything different to what I had always been experiencing I just didn't label it that way like I call my my guide's very irreverently the mob i gave them a prettier name when i was younger called them blissful beings like you'll see underneath me they're blissful life is a journey of infinite bliss. oh yes yeah but i like to call them the mob because as they appeared to me when i'm like who was my spirit guides i'm this young girl who who are you they're laughing at me they just thought i was i just i feel like i'm a sitcom to my spirit guides they laugh at me so much (laughs) i just saw this sort of faceless mob of beings there was no
0: changes you mean
1: identity there was no you know i am this there was just this mob of people like the aboriginals here in australia the indigenous they call their family the mob it's a it's a word that we use quite a lot down under so i used to call them the mob you know the mob
0: so how did you perceive them was it like thought impressions coming into your mind
1: well I always called my guidance my common sense. Like I would have a question and I would get an answer, and I would reject the answers for the most part. Because when I was a young, independent, adventurous, you know, young girl, I would want to do crazy things. And I would get really good common sense guidance, like maybe don't do that, or maybe go there and do this or whatever. And I'd kind of go, nah, that sounds boring. (laughs) So it's like a parental influence in your life that gives you this exalted information that you can ignore or not. And I kind of chose to ignore a lot of it in my 20s. And then in my 30s, I started listening to it. And as I started listening to it, again, I put my attention on it started to expand and then I realized that this thing I called my common sense was actually uh, my guidance coming from what I reverently called the mob because depending on what I was doing I would get different and this is for everybody this is for everybody depending on what what your intention is with your life you'll have different groups of energies organization of energies call them souls or spirit guides or ETs or whatever you want to give them that will come to influence you during this experience so for instance when I was doing energy healing I was starting to put my focus on this guidance from other realms and then I was looking inside people's bodies and I remember I had a client on my massage table one day and I had this Chinese doctor came in and he wanted to teach me Chinese medicine and uh, I had at this I had finished studying five years of naturopathy and the school that I went to had a Chinese medicine school. We had the Chinese medicine school too. And I remember I looked at the Chinese, you know, learning acupuncture and meridians and all that sort of stuff. There's a thought, lot to it, isn't there? Yeah. There's a lot to it. That was also a five-year full-time course. I did the naturopathy one. Then there was the Chinese traditional Chinese medicine. And I had opted to do the naturopathic and not the... And I remember saying to this Chinese doctor and spirit, Thank you for your guidance. It's lovely that you've come to speak to me, but I in this life I didn't choose to go down that route you know I didn't choose the Chinese medicine you know I made that decision quite distinctly when I chose naturopathy and not traditional Chinese medicine yeah, of course but you know in the healing arts you can contact any healer and spirit or great master that's been the walk to the earth or not walk the earth you can you can talk to the angels that will come and help you and Uh, you don't I don't these days like we had a little bit of a guidance session before we turned on the recording I don't really have an identity thank you yeah I don't really have an identity I just I just I have an intention to help and so when somebody says you know this is happening to me I ask my mob what's going on for them let me have a look in their energy field so I know I've got this this stream of consciousness that's got my back and if I can't figure something else, they'll give me the information. Or if I need them to show me something, I'll say, show me this. Show me that. What's going on? What's the past life? And it'll it'll be instantly there to show me what's happening. And I love that. You know, I'm never been. It's good. Of,
0: like you say, I have no knows. identity. And that's like the core concept in Buddhism, that we have no permanent sustaining self. It's changing all the time. We really right. have no permanent identity.
1: Right. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Love that's that. so true. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it's it's lovely to have this ever infinite, omnipresent, ever flowing energy stream of consciousness that flows to me and through me, and it's beautiful. But when I say me, I, I want to take me out of the equation. It happens for everybody. And my mm. experience is because I, because I put my focus on it. And this is the way we create our reality, reality, what you focus on expands. And so when you put your focus on something, you expand that awareness or that consciousness. And um, what happens in this world is that when something arises, let's look at health. So we have a symptom in our body. We put all our focus on what's wrong with the uh, the, the symptom. Oh, I'm in pain or this is happening. And then we go, I want to fix that. So as we have the idea, I want to fix that, we expand the symptom because when you say I want, you're actually saying I haven't got. So the reality that you're creating is a reality of lack of that which you want. And what most people don't understand is with their powerful focus, I was having this conversation with a dear friend who came to visit me yesterday and her husband, who's 89, is quite ill, but he was a very powerful um, man in his time, but he's sort of buying into the old age drama and there's a lot of illness happening And what I was reminding her to remind him is that in a moment he can change his condition by simply making a decision. And she said, yes, I've seen him do that so many times in his life. Like, no, this is bullshit. I'm going to choose something else. And bang, his reality changes. And that's what I did. I said to her, I did it when I was a young girl. I grew up uh, as an asthmatic and I had a lot of hay fever symptoms when I was a child. Both my brothers oh. and I had the whole asthma thing going on. You know, my you brother grew up in was...
0: Australia as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Asthma was yeah. really common. I don't know what was going on, but asthma was probably part of the collective consciousness. All the kids had asthma. And I remember I was oh. a young girl, I was probably about 22, 23, and I was living in a shared house with a whole lot of young people. I was a naturopathic student, I think, at the time, and I had left the house to go out somewhere. And I remember driving to my location and having a panic attack because I had forgotten my puffer, you know, the the puffer thing. Oh, I to, really? <laughs> I used to carry it around with me religiously. To breathe. Yeah, just in case I had an asthma attack, right? And then I remember doing a U-turn and driving back, you know, all this way to get this damn puffer and getting the puffer out of my room, putting it in my handbag and thinking, I don't want to live like this. This, this, I, I don't want to be an asthmatic anymore. This shit's got to change. And in that moment, I made a decision: I never had another asthma attack ever again.
0: Really, you chose not to have asthma.
1: Yeah, done. So you're healed.
0: Made (laughs) a decision. Made a. But how, how do you do that? Just by deciding to.
1: (laughs) By deciding to. By deciding to. And this is the power of our reality we have when we decide something and we like esther would say make a decision and line up with it i was telling my friend the other day that i had a relative who was in her 90s and she, her husband had died a few years behind before her and she was desperate to die but she wasn't sick and she kept saying how do i die karen how do i die and she thought if she stopped eating she might die or anyway the, the nurses used to come she was like trying to kill herself like trying to just she just didn't know how to die. And and I reminded her, I said, you know what, Hope, her name was Hope. It's like anything that we create in life. You make a decision and you line up with it. So you don't say, I want this. You say, this is happening. And she kept saying, I want to die. I want to die. I want to leave. I want to leave. I want to die. And she just wasn't dying. (laughs) And then her husband's niece, who was looking after her during this time because she was diagnosed with a bit of cancer and she's like yippee this is going to kill me but it wasn't oh, she, was, she wasn't sick enough it wasn't you know oh. she was anyway so she I went over there she lived in New Zealand I went over there and spent the last three or four weeks with her um as she took as she made her transition every day she asked me how do I die and then one afternoon carol had said to her I'll um I won't come tonight but I'll come back tomorrow to see you and she looked at her and she said, I won't be here tomorrow. And I thought, she's made the decision. It's like, I don't want to be here tomorrow. It's like, I won't be here tomorrow. And I remember the nurse said to me that afternoon, you know, she's not going to die anytime soon. And I said, she's not. She's not in the throes of death. There are symptoms that happen that tell you when someone's close to death. And I said, really? She said, yeah, she could have weeks or months. And I'm like, really? And that night she transitioned. She died about three or four o'clock in the morning, like she left wow. her body. So she what made what a the. the cause of death was? <laughs> you know what it was. Decision. Yes, so. Like, I made a decision and lined up with it. Yeah, so it's interesting, you know. There's so many things that we think we want. When you make a decision that it's yours, and you and you line your frequency up with it, then it's yours. Then it's your how experience. would you
0: define uh, ascension do you relate that to ascension like do you think of in terms of the globe is it an individual thing is it a group thing people talk about that
1: ascension for me is the awareness of our powers of creation uh it's it's moving into a new frequency of an experience on planet earth when we understand who we are as sovereign, infinitely intelligent, connected to Source beings, having a physical contrasting experience, and so for many years we've we've bumped around on this beautiful ride called physical life, um, bumping up against the contrast that's a, that have, that is afforded us here, like death and disease and. Fighting and negative emotions, feeling victimized by it. You know, this is happening to me, and I've got to overcome this, and I've got to overcome that, and feeling powerless to change. Or if we want something to change, we fight for it, like the suffragettes. You know, let me blow up some politicians so I can get the vote, and that. <laughs> yeah. That is a very limited perspective. An ascension is the awareness of who we are as an extension of the source and the creators of our reality. We are the creator, like we call God the creator, but we are that extension. We are a holographic image of the source. We are an extension of source energy flowing into a physical third-dimensional matrix. And as we take back our power to understand we are the creator then that we shift this matrix into a new frequency and we have a different experience and that is what we're calling ascension so i think in religious in religious things you know there's ascension has been like you ascend to heaven and you meet you know many religious like the hindus and even the buddhists say that you sort of meet the masters in other realms as you ascend and I think that the Buddhists, if you meditate long enough, you turn your body into a rainbow body and you ascend to the higher realms. I mean, the word ascension has been used, but it's moving out of limitation of consciousness into expansion of consciousness and understanding who you are as infinite yeah. creative potential.
0: Yeah. People say in different ways, I often think of a, a wave where like the tip of the wave but the wave is all part of the ocean. So if you had realization, you'd be, it's like the ground of mind or the universal mind, they were part of that, but we're individuated and we're trying to sort of realize that whole ocean of consciousness, that oneness. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's different. The Buddhist use the term nirvana, but the Buddha said it's it's beyond words. You couldn't really describe what it is. So it's, yeah. it's left very vague what, what exactly yeah. it is, but we use different words for this. Yeah,
1: yeah. So what about you, Brian? How did you get into all this?
0: um Well, um I guess when I what I had a roommate when I was 31, back in 1991, took me to a local Buddhist center. That's so how I got into Buddhism. And as a, a child, I had some paranormal experiences like I would feel a state of paralysis and then a vibrational state, and I start to lift up. So it was like, you know, the astral travel symptoms. I didn't know what it was at the time. I was quite scared and I would sort of start to lift up and then I'd be hanging out to, to bed. And this, <laughs> this was a repeating experience, like from age five to eight, it would happen repeatedly. And I kind of lived in apprehensive of this thing coming over me at night, but I didn't know what it was. And then I read the book, uh, Journeys Out of the Body by Robert Monroe. My dad got it when I was 15. Then yeah. I realized, oh, that's what was happening to me, the vibrational state and all of that. Yeah. 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 That was my first sort of paranormal so from that time I always believed in you know consciousness beyond the body life after death and but in 1991 I formally got into Buddhism and you know kept mean that as my main path so Buddhism gives you a whole cosmological understanding of the universe and realms and things like that
1: Yeah I think of all the major religions Buddhism is the one that is the most expansive uh that but they still have a lot of dogma and rules and regulations that one needs to follow in order to comply to their um, understanding um, yeah
0: yeah but... i'm interested in, like in the, the vedic hindu uh, upanishad i don't know a lot about that buddhism yeah. similar you know and yeah. all that eastern mysticism from india got a lot of respect for that yeah
1: i think that in our western religions all that information was available but the church just took it all out because they figured Um, They didn't want humans knowing about the expansiveness of their nature, the fact that we reincarnate and that we're an endless source of infinite creative potential that flows through different lifetimes and different time and space and different realms and planets. I mean, the Hindus talk about different planets. My my ex-husband was a Hare Krishna for many years. And he read in the book, Conversation with God, that all religion is based in fear. And like anyone that loves their religion, he said, yeah, yeah, I agree with that, except for my religion. My religion's not based in fear, but I can see the other ones are, but mine's not. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then we went to the temple for a celebration and like in um, in Western religions, there were people dressed up doing sort of like nativity scenes, like doing different scenes out of the Bhagavita, the Bhagavad can Bhaga, you know, the, Bhagavita, Bhagavita. Yeah, the religious books, and you know, singing all the hymns and making all the music, and it fun. It's great. It was fun. I used to really enjoy myself, and and he had a bit of a freak out. He he looked up at me. He was sitting in a in a chair watching one of the plays. And he said, we have to go right now. And I said, why? I'm enjoying myself. He said, no, we have to go right now. And he got in the car and he wouldn't talk to me on the way home. And when we got home, I said, what is going on with you? And he said, all of it, every bit of it, all of it, it's all based in fear. And I said, what are you talking about? Everything that was happening, everything that was happening was happening because if you don't eat this and you don't do it this way and you don't pray like this, you're going to go to hell. But in the vedic traditions there's not one hell there's like planets of different hells depending on your sin (laughs) you'll go to a planet that will have and i said are you serious he said yeah there's whole planets of different hells like so if you do this sin in this life you'll go to that planet and you'll get this punishment and i'm like oh wow
0: yeah buddhism has different hells as well depending on your (laughs) karma there's hot hells and cold hells hells of indescribable filth different types of hells (laughs) <laughs>
1: exactly so so be good or you're gonna to go to hell I mean that is a fear-based thought I'm sorry I agree with Neil Donald Walsh or the god god energy that flowed through Neil Donald Walsh that all religion is based in fear there's a lot of beauty in religion and there's a lot of um, wisdom but for the majority for the most part a lot of it's fear-based yeah it?
0: do you think from an et's perspective like they can see a problem like with the abrahamic religions they don't acknowledge uh, rebirth life after life so maybe they're it's kind of spiritually holding the western mind back so that's why you know they want to sort of open up our minds like this whole process of hybridization or whatever they're doing seems to be a process of trying to open up our consciousness
1: Ah, uh, that, that for the most part the the galactic guides that I speak to think that religion is absolutely hilarious and again they don't judge it as wrong or bad it's just an experience that we can have like we can focus on it we can buy into it or not like we can have that experience of dogmatic religious you know we can cloister ourselves and and like if we eat the wrong food we can whip ourselves endlessly and say that we're sinners i mean it's all an experience that's available to us in the in the in the fun park you know there's the house of horrors yeah. and there's the the merry go round and like they don't see any of it as wrong it's just what are you oh. choosing to experience and i think with I'm many people i think like
0: consciousness expansion or spiritual growth religions could actually prevent spiritual growth religion could oh, absolutely. make you think this is my spiritual path and it prevents your spiritual consciousness expansion. So i think from an ET perspective maybe they think this is a problem with homo sapiens sapiens you know they're they're stuck you know we need to intervene we need to uplift them somehow we have to we have to change it somehow
1: Well, for the most part, they never intervene because they understand, as most conscious people do, that everybody is an extension of the source and everyone has access to their higher self or their their group soul or their soul family or their higher guidance. And, you know, that guidance can comprise of angels and ET guides, depending on the intention of the soul and what they're wanting to experience. But every single being on the planet has access to this knowledge. And so, ets know that and they don't intervene what they would teach like many of the consciousness teachers teach like i teach is how to give people more awareness of that access and then have that access to that higher guidance inform their decisions while physically focused but they don't intervene they teach and they guide and they say they don't do it
0: overtly yeah they don't say you're
1: doing it wrong you know like let me intervene (laughs) they just say you enjoying this experience you can have another experience if you want but you can access a different um dimension of yourself and you can change your experience yeah Yeah, i think
0: your interviews with susie remember she described going to hunt a craft should be like in a lecture hall with 250 people and after afterwards they wouldn't um remember the experience where they're getting teachings or something or getting ideas or ideas for inventions. And then they would be taken back. This all in real time, like two or three hours. So it seems that this is how they're trying to indirectly influence us or guide us without, without it being direct though people knowing it's happening directly.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of the things that are invented in our world have been inspired by our galactic brothers and sisters that we've been given this inspiration, this thought. I mean, these scientists and creative writers and singers and so many people that are tapping into creative energy think oh i'm doing it or this is me it's like when i was young i used to think my common sense this is me thinking my common sense and then when i expanded my awareness i realized that i'm being influenced by different flavors of streams of consciousness that i'm tapping into depending yeah, on i've had
0: that too since where since i'm I was putting focus
1: yeah exactly
0: yeah, that's my experience of channeling like, thought impressions coming in it seemed to be something really beyond me like right. high, higher mind bigger mind i would kind of yeah. came sort of just from a spiritual reading it happened sort of intermittently every like every two years but then when i was a buddhist i was you know initiating some of these channeling teachings sort of the process of how to bring it about and make it happen more of a sort of mechanical understanding of how it works before that it was just this mystery but i know you know i've had that experience myself of feeling like you're getting some guidance or ideas or questions coming in
1: yeah so let me very ask mysterious. you, Brian. You started the Buddhist meditation in '91. What got you into the whole galactic conversation?
0: Um, yeah, my very first Buddhist lesson was about Buddhist cosmology. The Buddha describes the, the Davis. Actually, had I got my my book here and my book, I got three Buddhist books. But this is just the level of, levels of heaven. I don't know if you see this here. Like, there's uh-huh. the six lower heavens of the central sphere, and then the fine material sphere above this. So that got me—I guess—got me interested in cosmology. That the idea these Davis, another term for angels, they—they they have some relationship with us. The Buddha even said you should be mindful of uh, mindful of Davis. So that got me uh, interested in UFOs and aliens. Then in 2006, big changes. I discovered uh, YouTube when it was invented, and I, you know, punched in UFOs. Interested in UFOs, so I just. Shock son of mind, all this information about extraterrestrials. So, as a Buddhist, I was trying to you know how, with a Buddhist worldview of Buddhist cosmology, trying to figure out how these devas could actually be ETs or mm-hmm. how ETs could be in the spiritual form. Wow. And the Buddha even described one of his discourses he said, God car is fit for gods to have as well. So, the Buddha would actually describe the vehicle that the Deva cruises around in a Buddhist the cosmology. You have the,
1: the car body, right? The car body, yeah, yeah.
0: K.A. Yeah, describe
1: that. Yeah, that's what I say. People say, why do you call yourself Karen and not Karen? Yeah,
0: Karen. <laughs>
1: yeah, I said the car body, the K.A. is like I make the capital A in my name. It's like the vehicle the soul cruises the cosmos in. It's like it's, it's a vehicle, the car, the car. Yeah.
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Go on, go on. Sorry, go yeah, on. Yeah, so, so, but it's cosmology. uh can give us some understanding of ufology. so I always wanted um Buddhists to give some advice to ufology and for ufology to think Buddhist cosmology more seriously I think the, the Buddhist cosmology can give give us some guidance about the nature of extraterrestrials and ET so I've always been trying to marry up those two like UFOs ETs and Buddhist cosmology with the Davis. that's always been a big interest of mine all throughout my my Buddhist life. so uh, so two thousand and six when I really started getting into the whole ufology ET aspect.
1: 2006. And do, uh, have you got galactic guides that guide you that you're aware of? Have you asked? Like, there's no uh, coincidence that someone's obsessed with ETs. <laughs> you know, like, there's if yeah. you're interested in um, ET topics, there's a reason. <laughs>
0: well, I've had, uh, I've done Buddhist uh, sort of higher realm, day of invocation uh, challenge since uh, 1994, and I was living in Thailand, and I got initiated to that. And so in recent years, I'm trying to relate that more to the to the Greys, like from studying uh, like Susie Hanson stuff and Jeff Selver here in Vancouver. Experience is similar to Susie Hanson. I've just been dwelling more on the Greys, trying to tune in with them. So it's uh, right. so maybe maybe I'm getting some impression from them. It's mysterious.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a couple down here in Australia that are very connected to the Greys too. Uh, let me go to my website. I mean, me and names. You know, how many names can we retain in our head at one
0: time? <laughs> yeah. Grays and, uh, and mantids have a lot of respect for the mantids. They seem to be the top of the sort of the architects of life across the galaxy. And
1: Yeah, the mantids are amazing. I remember when I was in my 30s going up to Byron Bay. Where did I meet? I met a friend of mine called Anna Nara, and her story was amazing. Uh, she had tried to kill herself. She was leading this human life, and I don't know, things weren't working out, and she was thinking life's too hard. And she tried to kill herself. She woke up in hospital. I think she had a walk-in experience. And she's like, I've got to go up to Byron Bay. And she goes, she doesn't know why. She doesn't know anything about Byron Bay. And she goes up there and she meets a teacher up there and she starts an ascension course. She starts doing an ascension. Now she's like a sound oracle and she brings through galactic frequencies through her voice. She's amazing. Anyway, wow. um, she told me about Dr. Lawson. So this is like 25 odd years ago. And he was like a nine, 10 foot pray mantis and I'm like okay okay <laughs> it was the first time I heard about mantid beings and it was funny because it would seem like totally crazy as I said back then I wasn't focused on the whole ET conversation but it was around me like she was telling me about Dr Lawson who's this giant doctor who's a prey mantis and and I wasn't thinking I, I kind of the part of me was thinking that sounds pretty weird and crazy but I wasn't dismissing it as not possible it seemed to be possible and uh, the mantids have um, communicated with me that they work with me too and I'm like why do you work with me and they basically call themselves the architects of the universe
0: they uh, are I think they're, they're architects they have the they're, plans
1: they yeah they do, and so they've and I'm like I don't understand why you're in an insectoid body I just don't get it to, yeah, it to seems me, so
0: odd to us like it to, seems so strange.
1: Yeah, to me, a human who has their perception of beauty and what it is to be human, you know, a, a ten foot tall pre is like a monster, right? And they said, well, for what we do throughout the cosmos, this body is very um what's the word? Uh like it's it, um it's hardy, you know, it's 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 a good form to take on uh in order to do what they do uh throughout the universe. It's it's like they it can be they can go to many different environments and not um, get sick by the environment and the bacteria and the microbiome of the different planets and and the oxygen and the different airs and the different frequencies. It's a very hearty f- form to take on. And I'm like, oh. okay, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, because sure. they go across the galaxy and bring life to planets throughout the galaxy. Jeff Selver describes them as gardeners. They just want to bring life to other planets and moving around, mixing and matching, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now let me give you the name of this mob down in Australia. Here we go: Paul and Cyan, the Zeta connection. Have you? Oh, ever I've, of... I've
0: done interviews with Paul and Cyan. There you go. Them.
1: You have. Yeah. Uh, well, they're yeah. very
0: good, Paul and Cyan. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Paul's yeah. got
0: amazing experiences. Yeah, and a lot of real detail. And he's, he's like he says, the evidence is what he's done. You know, like he's like Kathy Martin said, she was really healed by the work he did for her. You know. Oh beautiful. Yeah, they're very impressive.
1: Yeah. 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 Let me find this lovely lady who wrote the book from, (laughs) where are you? Because she disappeared off the internet. I tried to get her back on the show years later and I could not find her. Uh, I think I sent her an email. She said, yeah, she's a grandmother now and she's, you know, doing her human life. But she said, yep, I just completely disappeared, took down all my social media, just completely disappeared off the internet. Yeah, Some
0: people just leave, don't they? Or they quit the business.
1: Yep, yep, yep. There's Susie. What is that? I'm looking at my shows 2018. I had a chat with Susie. I can't find her. Where is she? There she is. Donna Lynn is her name. Et. Oh,
0: I I interviewed Donna Lynn a couple of years you, ago. Yeah, that was yeah. For she had you to love, a man yeah. that she was quite close to, and she yep. said, "You've never felt that kind of love from any man. The kind of man, love you feel about man that you've never felt from any yeah. man. Like a powerful love. I it's loved, amazing that connection. I yeah, love that story. Yeah, just yeah, loved. Yeah, Donna. she's in Los Angeles. Yeah, that area.
1: I think she's come back online now because, yeah, as I said, she disappeared for a while. Yeah, she
0: didn't want to come back. I tried to get her back, and she just was sort of tuned out. So yeah, we'll try and get her back. She seemed quite shy about it, you know.
1: Yeah, you'll have to get Susie on your show. I'll um, introduce you if you like. I'll send you an email introduction. I'd love because I, you know, Brian and I were talking about Susie, and I, and funnily enough, synchronicity—no such thing as coincidence. I looked on Facebook as I do most mornings, and a post of hers came up of her talking about all this disclosure stuff and she's got a lot to say about it. And um, she had reposted a conversation. If you go to her Facebook page that she had a few years ago, I think about four years ago talking about um, um, disclosure and let me see if I can find it. Oh, there's a guy playing a didgeridoo. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I went on Facebook and this guy's playing a didgery too. <laughs> Let oh, me see.
0: Uh, yeah, okay, no problem. Yeah.
1: So, um, so she's, she's, you know, exopolit, She's got a lot to say. She's created many uh, groups. Here we go. Susie Hansen, is there a plan and whose is it? So, she's she just uploaded this on her Facebook page. It, um, yeah, her,
0: her YouTube channel, she hasn't had any new videos in two years, although. She's doing an interview tomorrow with the Winnipeg uh, uh, meetup meet group here in Canada. She's done, but I guess she, she needs to move her videos onto her central channel. Uh, otherwise people have to look around for her. But yeah, I try to listen. I, I've I've emailed back and forth. Like we know it's really emailed back for oh, okay. the interviewed her. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I saw her speak in Sydney. She, a few years back before COVID I think it was, um, and I found it was interesting. People love for her to talk about the technology that she's been given, that the the Greys have given her to give to humanity, because they're they're feeding us this technology, and and she's been talking about this X-ray machine. That's a handheld device. It looks it's about the size of a brush, and you can put it over the body, and it and it it'll do different things. Like it won't just show your bones. It'll show like your um, capillaries or it'll show your veins or your, it'll show the major arteries and it'll separate all the different things or or the lymphatic system. So it, it you can shift it and it'll show different aspects of what's happening inside the body. Yeah. And um, she said that it was an apparatus that was being developed physically in for hospitals lately. It hadn't come out when she, because my brother had the, quadruple heart bypass and i was in hospital seeing him and i'd asked the doctor if he'd heard of this device and he said no i haven't heard of a device like that but she's posted recently that 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 device is now available yeah so
0: the stuff she's seen on the ships like even yep. 30 years ago now is starting to get developed right when she talks about like like the ipad on the ships 30 years ago they would touch a screen and move it with their fingers the way we would do with an ipad yeah yeah, yeah. so I- they probably bring this technology down to earth by you no. Know, Impressing on people's subconscious minds or these adventures are creating it. Yeah, exactly.
1: And I asked her a question during the conversation that she was having at, um, I think it was called ExoPolitics or whatever the group was called. And I said, you know, years ago when I did energy healing courses, I was taught that through my consciousness, I can x-ray, I can look into somebody's body, not only their physical body, I can look into their energetic fields and, you know, like the expansiveness of consciousness. Like why would the ETs develop a a technology like that when they could teach us about our own consciousness? I said, do they use that device? And she said, oh, no, they don't use these devices. They have the same ability that you have to use your consciousness to look into somebody's field or look into their physical body or, you know, move in and out of their past lives or wherever you want to go with your consciousness. But they've developed this technology for us. Like they're giving it to us. They they don't need to use it. They're developing it for us to like move us forward with our um, consciousness it's just like the internet, like we're using the internet. like we yeah. could have we could have this conversation psychically <laughs> on the psychic web, but we don't have that ability as yet. So this hardware device is sort of preparing us. <laughs> For later, when we understand that we're all psychic beings, and so we can yeah, I
0: think they're giving us lots. I think in one of her talks, as she said around 1850, this this process began. Then you had like the the spiritualist community. Like her grandmother was a spiritualist in New Zealand. That was beginning in the 1800s. So so probably a lot of this technology has been coming down. Look at back in 1850, all we had was like horses carrying buggies and carts. That's all we had in trains. That all this technology developed after that. People like like Nico Tesla, I think of him, but want to ask Susie that like he was born in 1858, like was one he one of these people who came in, all these incredible inventions. So a lot has just really taken off. So I assume they're they're giving us these ideas, these inventions.
1: Yeah. You know, I've had a lot of people say to me that they channel Nicholas Tesla. I had one girl come to my home one saying that he was channeling healing frequencies more than he was worried about uh, electronic frequencies. He was wanting to show us the healing frequencies that we can tap into. And she was um, channeling him for that. And I never put her on the show. You know why? It was really mean of me. She had a really, really thick like Russian or Ukraine or uh, Eastern European accent. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> it's quite hard to understand her, and I just thought, oh, you have a great information, but it's really hard to understand what you have to say. I'm sure she can. I'm sure that was years ago. I'm sure she speaks better now. But um, <laughs> I find that if you're if you're communicating in a language, it sort of helps to be clear. But yeah, many people have claimed to channel um, Nikola Tesla, uh, bringing through healing frequencies. Yeah, as opposed to technology.
0: Yeah, he said of the universe about frequency, vibration, and something else, these three things. He said, This is how we have to understand the universe.
1: I'm sure yeah. he's back on Earth in a form, in some human form. Hope so <laughs> doing his thing. There's a beautiful woman called Belinda Womack who channels the uh she calls them the 12 archangels, but the stream of consciousness known as the archangelic forces. And she said to me that during this time of great transition in movement in our consciousness that all the great masters and the angelic realms have um are incarnated into physical form here on earth to be a part of this shift in in consciousness and uh so they're all here in some form yeah when
0: i think of susie's three waves a lot of them are coming in now because humanity needs it at this time they need this I, shift
1: yeah yeah Yeah, teachers, and I often think of that as I I see the younger generation, they're just so prolific. When I was running the Academy of Light, interestingly enough, it was before the internet, so I didn't have access to the information that I do now. It was just hard to find anyone my age who was into this conversation everyone was having babies and making money and getting married and you know crawling up the corporate ladder or whatever they were doing yeah, yeah. No, no one was interested in meditating and expanding their fields and consciousness and as so, I so I was surrounded by older retired mostly retired women oh at the time but that has so changed there are just so many young incredible yeah. teachers out there that are just coming through there's a a young man I know called uh, Brandon Thomas. I think he just turned forty, and uh, he runs a show called Expanding Reality. and um, And he attracts all the younger <clears throat> teachers and light workers. And he's like, "Here, talk to this person on your show, and talk to this person." He gave me about twenty names all at once. I think I've spoken to two of them so far, but it's just amazing. He says that he's um, he's great at this conversation of deliberate creation that I talk about. He has the same energy as the Abraham stream of consciousness flowing through him and um, he pulls you up. I love it. I do it to people too. People don't love it when you pull people up on their energy. When they make a statement of limitation and then you say, is that what you want to create in your reality? People go, shut up. (laughs) You know, they don't like to be pulled up. But when I make statements of limitation, Brandon's like he's on to me. He's like, "Is that what you want to create?" And I'm like, "Oh, thank you, because I'm becoming aware of how I'm speaking into my reality a limited belief." And then I like have that opportunity. Yeah. Is that what I want to believe, and I can change that. He's really good at that. But yeah, he says that one of his mantras is he attracts the most amazing people. And he does. I think I do too, actually. But so do you, Brian. But
0: oh thank you. Yeah. But yeah, so the younger,
1: but the younger generation, he attracts that younger generation that are doing amazing things. It's just Yeah, and I think
0: of these star seeds, like the last uh uh eleven pages of susie Hansen's book when she talks about the three waves, it sounds like like she doesn't say this is going to um topple the new world order when I think of our political structure. She's describing these younger people who assume positions of leadership and responsibility and power in a good way. Seems they'll they'll turn the tables on, on sort of this new world order that we have. So I think that's kind of the best hope I have for the future. It's like the best grid plan of action I've seen to you know politically, uh, up, up level the world because the world seems so corrupt. I wonder what can you do about you know, fighting the globalists. But I think this is how it's going to happen from within, like these star seeds yeah. coming in. Mm-hmm. That seems to be how Susie describes it without using those words, you know.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Totally the opposite to the movie I watched last night, The Suffragette. You know, we change the world by focusing on what we want, not pushing against what we don't want and coming yeah, together, coming together in groups like what we're doing now, you know, we're coming together with you and, and beyond being human. Like we're taking this conversation of ET communication and, and reality and coming together in groups and talking about it and expanding the knowledge and instead of sort of pushing against people that say are oh, you crazy you're mad and fighting those people say no i'm not no i'm not i'm not crazy it's like yeah you can say i'm crazy that's your reality my reality is this and just not pushing against not fighting not fighting the fight that's, yeah, a big enough
0: nucleus of us who are really, you know, see the wow. spiritual value of this and the conscious expansion. It's not like just chasing like UFOs or lights in the sky or how big was it, what angle, how, what was the speed? But for decades, <laughs> they're just trying to, tra- you know, chase UFOs. We're into the like, what does it mean? Why are they here? It's about our consciousness. Like, like I met Grant Cameron. He said he went from like a nuts and bolts ufologist around yes. 2012. I had this experience. He said, no, it's really about consciousness and it's about the experience. So he really shifted his focus.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love Grant. I had him I had him on the show to talk yeah. about all the ET messages in the music. I just fascinated me. <laughs> when yeah. you look at the songs throughout the ages, I have a girlfriend here who's a close girlfriend. She's a beautiful singer. And she said to me, there's a women's pool just down the road from us that's um, that's only open to women, which is quite strange in this day and age. But it attracts a lot of Muslim women who feel like they can't get undressed when there are men around because they wear their, you know, burqa and stuff like that and a lot of gay women who feel like they want to hang out with just women. Anyway, it's a beautiful pool, and there was a 100th year anniversary of the pool, and she said, I'm going to sing, come to the anniversary. It was a rainy day, and there was probably about half a dozen people, a dozen people there, and there was a couple of people singing, and she started singing After the Gold Rush by Neil Young.
0: Neil, yeah. It's like the Flying Saucers Are Coming song.
1: (laughs) It's about ETs, don't you? And she says it's not about ETs. I said read the words, and she read it the is. words, and she's like, "Oh my god!" You know, we've got planet, uh, we've got Mother Nature on the run, and the and the silver discs are coming to pick us up, and yeah, it's like yeah.
0: Yeah, a lot of musicians have had contact experiences. No one of Grant Cameron's uh, videos, he talks about the Moody Blues had an experience like in yeah. 1967 with the whole van mm-hmm. where they're all taken up, you know, yeah. amazing yeah. musicians. So that's the way it affects society, right? Music is such a powerful influence. You think of like 1964 to 1969, the big change with pop music. It really it affects people's consciousness. So I can see the ETs would have an interest in developing our music or, or affecting us that way through our, with our consciousness.
1: And, and like the what did Susie call it the third wave um what did she call them the initiators the activators what did she call the third wave oh well,
0: uh, the last one are the implementers implementers, implementers. implementers. Like like, the
1: I, I was amazed at Prince when Prince died I was running a conscious music um internet music channel and uh and uh, we did a we did a thing on Prince and I was never into Prince when he was alive but I wanted someone to channel Prince, and I couldn't find someone, so I started channeling Prince as part of the um, expose on Prince and his music, and it turns out that he was this master soul here on earth and that he was a part of the soul group that was the Saint-Germain soul group. I mean, you hear people talk about Saint-Germain, Purple Flame, Saint-Germain. He was an enlightened being that um, was aware of the expansion of consciousness and could, you know, traverse the earth and do amazing things. So was Prince. He was like a part of this soul group or the reincarnation, if you like, of Saint-Germain. And it just hit me like a brick. It's like he used to dress in that frilly outfit that was like the period when Saint-Germain, and he used to, you know, purple rain. rain. (laughs) And it was just, it just, it never occurred to me when he was alive, any of this stuff. It just never occurred to me. I didn't look deeply into it. And then when the movie Elvis came out, I became completely obsessed with Elvis after I saw the movie and I watched a whole lot of documentaries about him after I saw the movie. I think I went to the cinema to see it, came home and and looked at him on the internet. And he was into the Bhagavad Gita and he was into um, Yogananda's Autobiography of a Yoga. He was on a really big spiritual quest. Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Elvis yeah. was.
1: Yeah, and he read uh, all. What between. if he had
0: an interest in UFOs or ETs? So what if he had?
1: He a, did. He did. Yeah. But none of that ever came out because people were obsessed with his fame and his girlfriends and his money and his music, and they never asked him any questions about what do you believe, you know, about life, love, and the oh, cosmos. That's good. Yeah, and so these masterful musicians and influences on our planet were really these higher consciousness souls that were here to affect change like what elvis did was he really affected change through prejudice of the black community because he grew up in the gospel singing black churches and a lot of his celebrity status he knew all these black singers and stuff he brought them into the limelight and he connected the community the white and the black communities. yeah and use
0: their music yeah
1: right so he was a part of you know, unifying that prejudice, and, and yeah, he was a masterful soul that did, did that. But we just got obsessed with how good looking he was, or his oh, great yeah. music. You know, well, like, I did.
0: I did like Elvis's music. I appreciate yeah. him more after the fact. I do have an appreciation yeah. of Elvis. Yeah
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. Elvis was a little <laughs> so bit. So thanks
0: for sharing that about Elvis. <laughs>
1: yeah, so it's it's amazing that we just we don't take notice of these incredible beings that are on our planet doing these amazing things, unifying, unifying the split, the the separation that we're experiencing we're so obsessed with separation that's what criticism is all about you're right i'm wrong and we're separate yeah you know you're white i'm black or i'm white you're black or you're this religion and i'm that religion like we use too
0: much polarization polarization polarization. we've we've got to get past the polarization yeah yeah yeah, yeah. unity consciousness yeah i agree
1: unity consciousness absolutely absolutely so what else do you want to chat about Brian, I think we've gone through it: ET visitors, angels, star children, hybrids. We talked yeah, about well, hybrids.
0: Yeah, yeah. What do you think about hybrids? Uh, yeah, let's talk about hybrids.
1: Well, I think all of us are hybrids. Absolutely, all of us are hybrids. The human race has evolved. Well, some are more
0: hybrids than others. Well, like some Animal are. Farm. Some are more equal than others.
1: <laughs> some are depending on their um, intention and their that they want to experience here on Earth, and uh, on what they're bringing to this realm. But I think that the human body has evolved because of the hybrid program. I don't think evolved naturally. We didn't come from apes. We came because the ETs were tweaking our DNA. And I had yeah, this I think wonder- it was ET as well. Yeah. I had this wonderful lady on the show this week, actually, called uh, Mary Edwards, who is, has a fascinating story. You'll have to get her on your show uh her she grew up in a very um upper class neighborhood in America and her father and grandfather are in the military and they're all part of the secret space program. And um, she has like over a thousand hybrid children. What did she say? 1200. I can't remember like crazy number of children. And she yeah, knows women with...
0: lots of eggs, right? They could have a yeah, thousand they, eggs.
1: They harvested, they took her up on ships and harvested her eggs. And she was young because, you know, a female human is born with the amount of eggs that they like. You don't, when you grow up, you don't grow more eggs inside your ovaries. When you're born, the amount of eggs that you'll have throughout your life are, are present. So you can harvest a baby. You can take eggs from a baby, or or an old woman. Mind you, an old woman's you know like released a lot of eggs. But so a child before they hit puberty, you can harvest the eggs. And um, and she has human. She has a couple of human kids too. So they didn't take all her eggs. Uh, and yeah, so she has all these hybrid children all over the planet. But I was saying to her that. Are they
0: on the planet? They're not alone in space somewhere. I mean, are they here?
1: They're, they're here. They're there. They're everywhere. Oh. They're all over the place. They're um, yeah, they're everywhere. I mean, to tell you the truth, Brian, she had so much to say that we didn't even kind of. I think we talked for almost two hours, but I cut it down to about an hour of a and a half. Um, because you know when people share their information, often they share a lot of information that's not pertinent to the story. So I sort of cut yeah, it a lot of details. Yeah. Otherwise, it gets too bore. Like not boring, but it's hard to listen to. Like. There's a lot of information yeah. that's not necessary yeah. to just the thread of the story. So, no, anyway, so I will cut it down. And uh, but she has so much to share. She's amazing, amazing, amazing being. She's been designing off-world environments, working with the ETS because she's a designer, and interior designer, and she designed um, she designed the interior for the space station. Some of the interiors for the space station with wow. NASA. Wow. Mm. Yeah, I'll introduce you. She's fascinating. But, yeah, she's very much part of the hybrid program. Of course, Geraldina Roscoe is a part of the hybrid program. But, uh, yeah, so I was saying to her on the show that uh, there's a photograph of my mother when she was 21 uh, at her 21st birthday, and um, she had three brothers, and she's standing next to her three brothers and her parents, and she's taller than all of them, and she looks like she was very beautiful looking and um, the rest of them not so much. And you sort of look at this photo, it's an old black and white, and you think, where did she come from? <laughs> like what was going on there? And oh. I, I'd say that her DNA was, you know, like played with, and I carry that DNA. But I have to say in her lifetime, she died at 50. She did not, um, you know, she wasn't conscious by any form of spiritual or consciously aware of spiritual stuff she wasn't interested in it at all you know she was dealing with emotional problems and feeling you know her emotional problems and stress and uh but she held you know she had she definitely was part of the hybrid program and um the three of this us this is your mother right yeah mm-hmm.
0: so maybe a part of her purpose was you because you're really conscious and you're reaching millions of people there you go So that was part part, part of her function that would make sense
1: exactly like a
0: family where do you think the hybrid program is going like over a thousand years Do you think there's going to be a new human with like a quantum dimensional consciousness, like telepathy, all the DETs have telepathy, with a new human, been more of a spiritual orientation. Like are they just doing this gradually behind the scenes so we don't really notice it, so it's not so overt?
1: Yeah, I think there's lots of new humans with telepathic communication, you know, like Kevin Briggs, who has this ability to do it consciously. Like I have a lot of abilities, but at this point I can't consciously leave my body and have awareness of that at the moment like there are a lot of people that can astral travel they just sit and meditate and then pop out of their body and, and then pop back in their body and then relay that experience I've had many well all of us have astral travels when we sleep and I've had many memories of my astral travels but I can't do it deliberately as yet uh, so um, I think that yeah there will come a time when we can all do it deliberately but I could do a lot of things deliberately I can project to my consciousness I went up on a ship one day when I was in the shower (laughs) because I was worried about the Australian fires I was worried about all the um, animals being burnt during the Australian fires at the end of 19 beginning of 2020 and I was in the shower thinking about it and I found myself in space and I'm like oh I'm in space and then I looked up and I was looking at this craft that was on an angle but I was looking underneath it and I was just going (gasps) oh I was just mar- marvelling at the magnificent beauty of what I was seeing, looking at the underneath. I think it was the underneath of this craft. And I was just going, I didn't know how beautiful they were. Just just marvelling it. At- at it. And so I'm aware that I'm standing in the shower, but I'm also aware that I'm in space looking at the underneath of a craft. And then I found myself in the craft and I saw the greys um, with uh, marsupials, koalas, and wallabies, and kangaroos, and lizards, and a whole lot of Australian animals. And I said, You know, what am I witnessing here? And they said, Don't worry about the extinction of your animal population we're taking care of it you know we've got we've got their dna up here on the ships and we've saved quite a few of the animals and we'll put them back after the yeah. fires and i went yeah. oh cool and so i stopped worrying about it. when i got out of the shower i thought what did i just experience did i project my consciousness or did i connect with a part of me that's already out there and they said that one they said "You." Oh. Can- that you connected with a part of you that's already out there witnessing this. So that part of me that's out there in space, traveling around, looking around different, like, you know, we're multidimensional, right? So there's a part of me that's doing that. And I sort of yeah. plugged in, connected with that part of me, and then got that stream of information as I stood in the shower, consciously awake, not meditating, just sort of like resting in the shower, just putting my head against the wall, just resting and just connecting with that part of me that's there that that has access yeah it
0: seems interdimensional like that mm-hmm. interdimensionality maybe that'll be part of our reality in the future for human right. beings like we're not used yeah. to being into but i think that's the quality of the ets they're they're in higher dimensions they can be here Mother. Simultaneously, the consciousness in these higher dimensions. That's why people say, you know, their they're intellect like is vast beyond us. So like you feel like a child when you're with them, their minds are so expansive. Yeah. We're not yeah. used to that. So maybe the new human will be, will be naturally more, uh, what's called a quantum dimensional consciousness, one term that Jeff Selber yeah. uses for, yeah. for various levels of consciousness.
1: And I've asked, you know, what fascinated me about this um, specific. Earth, you know, this earth experience, the specificities of being human is this veil of forgetfulness, like the veil. We call it the veil. And um, Samuel Chong from the Thyuba prophecy, um, in the book, they call it the ETs from that book, call it the river of oblivion. You know, that when we're souls incarnating into a human earth, we can yeah, forget under yeah. the river. And I said, What, like, I kept asking, what causes? The forgetfulness like how do you squeeze this expansive infinite creative potential energy stream into a human body and forget who you are like how does that happen i didn't didn't understand and what they showed me is that it happens on many levels of the energetic structure but it's all tied up with the dna and so when we talk about moving from a two-strand dna to a multiple strand 12 strand 24 strand dna that's all a part of tapping into those abilities of higher consciousness and expansive awareness when you shift the, the strands on the DNA, that then the soul incarnated into a physical energetic structure, organization of energy, has more access to the multi-dimensional realities. And um, And that's what's happening in this Ascension process, that the DNA is shifting so that we have more awareness of who we are. And our multidimensional cells. Oh,
0: so if we had more strands, the strands could include past life memories, but with our two strands, they're, they're suppressed, I suppose.
1: Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and like um, Francis Key from the team books talks about the energetic DNA. So your energy structure has DNA, Technology, as well as the physical structure, it's like it's an energetic blueprint of the physical structure. So when you shift it in the energetic structure, it shifts in the physical structure. And that's how a lot of um, DNA activations happen, you know, happen through meditation and intention and focus and decision yeah so when you make a decision and line up with it this is your experience people say to me how do i get my psychic abilities they say stop thinking you're not psychic make a decision and line up with it it really is that simple
0: yeah it's like self-limiting beliefs i can sell you
1: a course for 10 weeks and charge you a lot of money but or i can tell you in one second (laughs) which is usually what i do yeah Yeah, make a decision and line up with it stop saying you're not psychic and say you are and and as you as as you tune into beliefs and start lining up with those beliefs and believing them as your reality it becomes your reality and therefore the dna energetic and physical structure shifts because you make it so cuz you think i have to do that
0: People are trying, trying to help me get in touch with my guys To say, well, I'm not psychic. You know, women are more psychic than men, but maybe I just have a bad attitude about it. It's a limiting
1: <laughs> belief. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what they I do. say to people about this whole psychic phenomena, people say, oh, you special gifts. I was never gifted. And, and But as I said, I used to call it my common sense, but I never thought I was psychic in any way. And I didn't really have any psychic Uh, you know experiences as a kid I was having dreams and astral travel dreams and dreaming of dead mom telling me she wasn't dead and all this stuff but no psychic predictions or anything like that when I was a kid because I wasn't focused on it and I didn't think I was psychic I had a belief I wasn't psychic so that was my experience because it was lining up with my beliefs but um, uh, people say to me I forgot what I was going to say to you now." I was in the middle of saying something Uh, Yeah, It sounds like
0: you were psychic if your mother was talking to you when you were young. It sounds like you were psychic.
1: Thank you. That's what I was going to say. All of us, all of us are psychic. In fact, it says in the Seth books that every being on the planet is communicating telepathically. We couldn't drive on our roads if we were not. And I remember reading that in the Seth books when I was in my 20s thinking about driving, and there are just times when you know what someone's going to do and you don't know how you know. And so we are all unconsciously communicating telepathically. Yeah. We're just not aware of it. So,
0: think so. Um,
1: when we are born into this body, the only um, perceptual experience we have is psychic. We don't have taste, touch, smell, sight or hearing online when we come into this human body. All of that has to come online. And so the only uh, sense we have is psychic sense. We're complete communication with our mother where, um, um, and she with us, so a mother, you'll hear a mother say, oh, she's hungry or the baby's hungry or she's got a dirty nappy. How does the mother know what, what cry the baby has? You know, they're in telepathic communication. Yeah. And so we are operating like that before we start to see and touch and smell and taste. I mean, watch babies taste for the first time. It's hilarious when they put tastes in their mouth. Ah, Ah. you know like a lemon it's like the first time you taste something (laughs) and the baby is blind and then they have to sort of their eyes start focusing and it takes a few days before they start to focus and see sometimes weeks the same with hearing they can't hear it's all just (laughs) they don't have any and it's starts to come online and then they have to decipher what these sounds are and then we have to learn some sort of language and it all has to come online but before any of that stuff comes online we are operating completely psychically so every single being is a psychic being we just have to put our focus on that uh, sense instead of relying on our other senses our physical senses so you think the
0: new human would be like that with the hybridization process you think that's I think they I think the what's I think, going
1: on. Yeah, I think the old human is like that. It's just a matter of um awareness. Yeah. We're all operating yeah. like that. I, I think that to make to make this ability strange or new or abnormal or gifted or woo-woo is to limit it in our consciousness. Yeah. Um but but if you when,
0: consider the, the ETs like the Grays and others they don't use they don't speak, so they're always telepathic. Like humans uh, might be at that level in the future. Like we're not that telepathic now, not like they are.
1: No, they've actually shown me how their telepathy works and it is incredible. They've said to me, you humans don't have the agility of mind to utilize your telepathic abilities yet. And I said, "How's that?" Why they said, "With your focus, you're all over the place. You're thinking of that. You're thinking of this. You're thinking of that. You don't yeah. know how to focus streams of thought." And and it's like this operating system. So at the moment, we're on a Zoom operating system. There's that stream of thought, and then the email operating system's open, and then the browsers open on Facebook yeah. or what. And there, yeah. there's different streams, right? And as we look on our computer we focus this way and we have an experience and we focus this way, we have an experience and we focus this way, but it's all happening simultaneously. So they said, this is how thought operates. So we're having these different streams of thought as a telepathic being. I can talk to a crowd of people and send different streams of thought to each individual differently. Or yeah, I, can that's send, what
0: mantids do, right?
1: I can send one stream of thought, to this group and they all receive the same thought or individuals can receive a different stream of thought and i can block someone from you know having this access to this so and i can like it's the agility of mind is just so advanced and they've shown me how it works and i'm like whoa i i you know i haven't got a hope well, I shouldn't say that's a limited thought, but I, I look forward to the day where I could be as agile in mind as they are. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, Susie describes that up, up in the craft and lecture hall, there's a mantid there, and put these th- thought packets into, you know, dozens yeah. of minds for different people, different thought streams, which yeah. they'll use later in the future. Yeah. And she described how, you know, when the, they, they were saying that humans aren't ready for disclosure, they would close off some people who couldn't accept that. But they but they would communicate with her because she understood the slow shot to wait. So it's such a complex mind. I think of these manted brains or these ancient grays. they're such vast minds, how they can do that just yeah. beyond us, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. And they do it effortlessly, you know, it's just part of their operating system. But yeah, as we expand, we're learning these. We're learning these. So, you know, this story this conversation about deliberate creation is all about where you're flowing your energy, where you're focusing your energy, how you're so much of us human talk is tuned into the fear-based negative stuff. You know, as I say, we judge others. We say, ah, oh, bloody politicians, this is not right. Yeah, you know, that, ne- you know, and we negativity. Don't, and we don't understand that in that moment we are flowing our energy into something we don't Well, Like we don't have the understanding or the remembrance of who we are as powerful beings. Well, I agree, and then, yeah. And then shit happens in your life and you feel victimized by it. And like, I, I remember when I was listening to a lot of Abraham stuff, I had a fight with my then husband at the time and I thought I'll just get out of the house we were fighting about who knows can't even remember it was that long ago but my little my daughter was a little girl at the time and I said come on we'll go and get a dvd this is like before the internet had to go to the shop to get a dvd and we went to the shopping mall and there was a crystal shop there and I had this lovely interaction with this woman in this crystal shop and I bought my daughter a little crystal and then I went next door to the dvd shop and I popped uh, the DVDs that I wanted to rent on the counter, and my daughter had put her crystal on the counter. And as this girl picked up the DVDs, she knocked the crystal off the counter, and it smashed all over the floor. This brand oh. new. Oh. And I remember being upset, and my daughter was upset, and the woman behind the counter got absolutely aggressive and started abusing us. And she ordered us out of. She wouldn't rent us the DVDs. She ordered us out of. It was her fault. But she got really defensive and aggressive and started abusing us. And I was all indignant about it. You broke my daughter's crystal. And anyway, and it was all this like fluff. And then I came home to my husband and I'm all up in this like, oh, this terrible thing happened. And I'm thinking to myself, because I'm really aware that I'm the creator of How did I create that? Because I'd had this lovely interaction with the crystal lady and then this horrible thing happened. And he said, you left the house with that same frequency because you and I had interacted in that same frequency in our fight. And I thought, oh yeah, of course I had. So I'm carrying that energy. And then I've dovetailed. I've, you know, law of attractions brought together a woman, a young girl who's working at a DVD shop, who's probably had a fight or an upset in her life too. And so these two magnetic frequencies come together and there's this awful experience happens. And it made me really aware that, you know, I have to clean up my energy, feel like I should have made up with my husband beforehand and forgiven him before I left the house and a huff, you know, like how we flow our energy We just need to become aware of it. And 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 be more deliberate in what we're doing with our flow of energy and our thoughts and our beliefs. And we cannot be victims to life anymore.
0: Yeah, it's so true, because people know. focus on all the negative things going on in the world. With they long people, there's always negative things going on in the world, but you don't we don't need to be aware of all of them and get upset <laughs> about all of them. That's just yeah. the nature of reality, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it would say the Abraham conversation says if you don't if you don't like it, don't look at it. But I would say differently, I would say if you're looking at something that you don't like, find a way of of viewing it in a way that is more enlightened, like look at it from a, from a, a higher perspective, a broader yeah. perspective, because all contrast happens as an opportunity to grow and evolve. And so when somebody goes through a terrible thing, like what's the evolution that that soul is choosing through that heinous experience and see it from a spiritual perspective rather than, the ego's perspective that wants to judge and criticize and yell about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can see negative things happening, but not, not get emotional about it. Not have to get involved with it. That's true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Brian, we've been yakking for about, gosh, what time is it? Almost. Yeah, Should we Yeah, about an hour and
0: a half? Should we yeah. wrap it up soon?
1: Yeah. Maybe we should wrap it up. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about?
0: <laughs> um. No, this is good. This is my first time hosting with Beyond Being Human. I've been in touch with Michael Nay for on and off. We've been talking over the last year, so it's great. And you're with Beyond Being Human. I think it's a great idea, the whole concept Beyond Being Human. So it's good to work with them as well. You know, I have my own meetup group. So you're my first person with Beyond Being Human. So This has been good. I appreciate it.
1: Well, Michael joined one of my groups, which is called the Inner Sanctum. We meet twice a month, once with me at the beginning, uh, the first weekend of the month. And then in the middle of the month, I have a guest teacher on, and uh, the group can hear the teacher and have chats with the teacher.
0: Yeah, I saw that on your website. We should tell the audience your website. Is it karenswain.com?
1: Yeah, karenswain.com. And Michael was on the last call we had, was just with me. It was just a few of us, probably about half a dozen. It wasn't a big group. People come and go because it's just a chat. It's like it's just a, the first meeting of the month is with me. It's just like a catch-up call. People people can talk about whatever they're going through. You know, speak about things they've listened to. It's just a catch-up call. And Michael was on, so we talked extensively and. He was talking about you. He's like, oh, have you heard of Brian? I'm like, no, what's his, show me. Yeah. yeah, and then I found myself on your Facebook page and that's when I sent you. Yeah, you, you left messages. a comment. That's how we yeah. met. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So
0: yeah, then I contacted you. Yeah, because I've known about you for years and I thought I'm going to contact Karen Swain sometimes. So then you left me a note first. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, was- so people can find you there, your website, karenswain.com. They can contact you and you've got a lot of things going on there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I have got a lot of things going on. You asked me about the future. I totally didn't answer that question for you before, but yeah, the future oh, okay. is the future is bright. <laughs> the future I think so bright.
0: too. There could be could be a cataclysm between now and then, but after that I think things are be bright. I mean, things are up and down. But I think the futures of the big picture will be bright, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean the expansion of consciousness is exponential. The um, the contrasting environment in which the expansion is revealed is still going to get intense. So life on planet Earth is not going to get easier before it. it yeah, you know, it's going to get harder before it gets easier. But it is in those contrasting experiences that we start asking different questions. And so for me even though I was asking a million questions as a kid it was the death of my mother that really made me ask different questions. And and that yeah. happened through covid, you know, people experienced what we experienced during the lockdowns and whatever happened and Um, they started asking different questions. And so the expansion of consciousness dovetails with the uh, accelerations of the contrast that we live in this world. And once we hit critical mass and people have moved to another level of consciousness, it's no longer necessary to wake them up with a sledgehammer. Do you know what I mean? Because critical mass will do that for us. It's like once enough people say that this is the reality, then it explodes in the minds of everyone across the planet. And that's how we lift humanity collectively but in order to wake up the minority there needs to be uh you know contrasting dramatic traumatic experiences and that's happening in the form of um, hurricanes and floods and fires and and all sorts of things are happening on our planet but it's all part of the plan as well yeah it's all part of the plan so the future is bright as far as the expansion of consciousness uh, but it might not be so bright as far as the environment that w- will um, afford that expansion.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The Buddha said it's often suffering that brings people onto the spiritual path. You know? Often. They're just Doesn't enjoying themselves. They're not that often. spiritual. Yeah, it can help yeah. them. Yeah, often. Motivate them.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great to well, meet you. Thank you kindly, Karen. It's been beautiful. Great to meet
0: you. We'll talk again.
1: Yeah, great to chat with you and big love to you and everyone listening.
0: Yeah, thank you. We'll be Dutch. Goodbye. Okay,